Open your Bibles to the book of John. John chapter 1. We're going to be looking at five verses this morning as we look through John's Christmas story. Uh, and really, this one focuses on light. It says that Jesus is the light of the world. And so as I was thinking about light, it reminded me of a story when I was, when I was probably in sixth or seventh grade. I was in Scouts, and we went up to Prescott, Arizona. And we went back into a cave. We all had our little headlights. We were nerds. And we went back into our, our cave, the cave about a mile back. And all of a sudden, he said, just turn off all your lights. Every light, one by one, got extinguished. And then there was pitch blackness. There was nothing. You couldn't, you couldn't see a hand in front of your face. We, could, we kind of have that picture when we do the hanging of the greens. But even with the hanging of the greens, we have our tablets on. We have the, we have, oh, that's wrong. We have the, uh, the uh, different, we have the different uh, TVs going. And we have all this stuff. But, so you can almost get there. But when Jesus was entering into the world, he was entering into the world of blackness, as black as the back of the cave. And he, and he alone, turned that light on. The only hope that we had outside of Jesus was God, that God's, God's general revelation that he had shown to us. So we're going to see three things about this light this morning. First, we're going to see the power of the light. We're going to see that it, Jesus alone has the power to save. That he has the power to conquer darkness and to, to remove light away. Second, we're going to see the purpose of the light, that we are the means by which the vehicle by which that light is reflected to the world. And the final thing we're going to see is the, the product of the light, that we must actively, we can't just say we're the means and not do anything, but we must actively seek to bring the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. The main idea of this, of this text, of this sermon is the light has come and he accomplishes his purposes through his people. The title is John's Christmas Story, Part 2, The Light. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. I'll be starting in verse 4 and reading through verse 9. Hey, that's right. <laughs> in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. This is the word of God. Thanks. Thanks. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the light of the world, that you have come into this world to show us light, to, to reveal this light to us, and that you have. Father, I pray that, that through this message that your name would be magnified, and that your spirit would fall upon this place and meet with us so that we would be encouraged and motivated to take this light to a lost and dying and dark world. Father, we love you. It's in your precious son's name I pray. Amen. Be seated. The first thing we're going to look at is the power of the light. Look, look at verse 4. Now, we did we touched this last week, but I didn't give it full justice, and so I needed a few extra verses talking about the light anyways, and it, it's right there. So we're going to look at it again. It says, In him was life, and the life was the light 
of men. Now, the question we need to ask is, how are life and light here connected? The light is that John uses all the time and all of his, all the different letters he writes in John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and in Revelation, he talks about light as goodness and darkness as bad. As, as evil. And so he, sa- he says here that he is the goodness that comes into the world, the pure joy that is being shown to all men. And he's the life. The life is the, that which is given by the light. It's, it's connected here through spiritual life. That when we come, when we come to faith in him, we see the light of his word and we're given life, new creation. It's connected in physical, the physical reality. In the physical reality, we see that without light, nothing can have life. There can be nothing that is existing without light of the sun. And then finally, in the eternal reality. Interestingly, in the book of Revelation, still John's, written by John, there is no more sun, but Christ is there. There's no need for the sun. Why? Because Jesus is the light, and the light shines so that all his people will see. John 8, verse 12 says this, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So not only does he give this light, but he gives it to us so that we can be different, so that we can be changed. He gives us this light and this life so that we can be a vehicle, the vehicle by which God takes this light to the world. This light that is shining in us that was recognized and revealed in the Son of God when he, when he came in the, in the manger is, is for us so that we can shine that light to the world. Again, John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. And so that, that tells you right there the world that he was coming into. No one gets to the Father but through Jesus. The, the religious establishment, the Jewish people that were supposed to be waiting for Jesus to come, had all but rejected him. They'd all but fallen completely astray. And so he comes into this, into this world where everyone is lost, it's dark as night, and he, the light is turned on. It's like going into that back of that cave. And the, that one light goes on and the darkness just flees from it. You see, it's because Jesus has come to earth that we have life. But what do we do with that life? The Bible says that when we come to Christ, we're new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So what are you doing with that life? With this new life that he's given you? That was one in the incarnation of Christ. Let me give you a test. If if you remove Sunday morning from 11 to 12 o'clock from your week, is there anything different in your life than before before you were saved? Has anything changed? Is there any time when you're talking to God? Is there any time when he's talking to you? Is there any time when you're telling folks about the gospel? Is there any time when you're just sitting in prayer? If the answer is no, then it's a very scary thing. Because a new creation is a drastic thing. It's not, it's not this small little thing. It, it, it'd be like going out into your field, seeing a tree that got knocked over by the tornado. And then you go out the next day, and all of a sudden it's replanted, bearing fruit. It's this drastic, magnificent thing. And if it's not happening in our life, then we have to look at our life and ask why. Why is is this new creation not affecting me like the Bible says it's supposed to be? If it's not, 
It's time to repent. It's time to turn to God. It's time to open your scriptures. It's time to carve out time. And instead of just carving out time at the end or the beginning, carve out the important time, the time that matters. Carve out time so you can even listen to the word of God. How how marvelous is is it that you can just put on your headphones, hit play on on your audio Bible, and listen to three books of the Bible in about 15 minutes? Small books, but still books of the Bible. That you can get the word of God in you. So I'll ask, you, I'll ask you again. You carve out Sunday morning from 11 to 12. What is different from your life? How, what, what about your life would point to Jesus? What about your life would the world look in and say, wow, they're different? Other than come to church. I pray that there's a huge difference. I pray that everything is different. From the beginning when you wake up and you hit your knees in prayer and you open your scriptures and you read it. Or when you sit down with your family and you pray together. I pray all of that's different. And prayerfully one day it will be if it's not already. But the text goes on. The light was not just life, but it was accomplishing something. Spiritually in the world, we sing joy to the world. Because Christ's incarnation has an effect not just on those who will come to him, but on the entire world. All creation will see the king. Look with me. It's what he accomplishes in verse 5. It says here, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What victory has Christ accomplished in the incarnation? That's the question we're asking. What victory? How has the darkness been overcome? Well, we can look at the, the final way, at the cross. On the cross, we, we have to go back to Genesis 3, the, the prediction or the, the prediction that God said that the, the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Well, the seed of the woman is Jesus. The head of the serpent is Satan. And on the cross, he defeated death. He defeated sin. He defeated it all so that he could raise up a people for himself. We are the fulfillment. We are the true Israel that has come. Justice has been satisfied. You look at the Old Testament and you look at some of these these people time and time again. Moses was a murderer. God used him to deliver his people out of Egypt. David was a murderer and adulterer. God used him to be one of the greatest kings that Israel ever knew. You look at Samson was a womanizer and he showed the strength of God. You see, all these, these people were, were pointing forward to this, to Jesus. And it was say, saying, it was answering the question, how in the world can Moses, David, and Samson be God's people? How can David be a friend of God? He's evil, he's wicked. The answer, Jesus. Because on the cross, Jesus paid for their sins. Jesus covered their sin. And so when God looked at David... He didn't see David's sin. He saw his son that would die on the cross for him. And when he looks at you, he doesn't see your sins. He doesn't see the sin that you continuously struggle with day after day. He doesn't see the, the frustrations, but he sees his son. The redeemed, that you have been redeemed. And it's been accomplished by his word. Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says this. Know in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything in all creation. What's he about to say here? Will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
How did he do that? How did he, how did he accomplish this, this sealing work of the Holy Spirit that when we come to him and we submit to him, he seals us with the promised Holy Spirit? He did it through his son. It was the darkness fleeing. Every time a new believer, we just about a month ago got to see Doug be baptized into the faith. Every time a new believer comes to Jesus, the kingdom of darkness is shrinking and the kingdom of light is growing. Praise God. Isaiah 55 verse 10 says this. For as the rain and the snow comes down from heaven and do not return but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. Now, He's talking about the word of God, the word of the preached word of God. Yes, we use that all the time when in, in church, religious uh, things. We use that to point to the word of God always never coming back void. Yes. But what did we say in John 1 is Jesus? How does he identify himself? The word. The word from Isaiah 55 goes in and accomplishes exactly what that which God intended for it to do. It accomplished and it defeated the realms of darkness. It defeated the, the, the principalities and the, the evil one. You see all throughout Luke, and I know, like I said last week, I know you're not familiar with that book very well, but all throughout Luke, when the demons come to Jesus, they're not coming trying to wage war. They're coming saying, don't send us now. They're running scared. Why? Because the Lord of the universe has come. That's what Christmas is about. The Lord of the universe has come. The word, Jesus, always accomplishes what he, his purposes are. He came, he conquered, and he wins. Has he, has he come and he conquered? Has he, he conquered your life? Has he conquered your life? Is it time for you to surrender? Maybe in general, or maybe just in one little area. Maybe there's something that is in your life that you have been holding back. Time. Time with your family. You've, been, you've said, no, no, God's important to me, but this over here, this is mine. This over here, God, you can have all this, but this right here is mine. Don't touch it. I, I want it for myself. You can have this over here. Come sit in this nice little cushy chair, but don't go into this area of my life. If that's been true for you, it's time to surrender. He conquers all. He doesn't come just, just to, for the sake of coming. He comes that he would conquer. And Ephesians 2.10 says he, he came that we would do good works and point to him. In the cradle and on the cross, Jesus both accomplished God's justice and became the justifier of our sins. It is because he conquers the darkness that we can be sure of our salvation. Yet, not only was Jesus going to accomplish the Father's will and defeat the, 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 evil, the, the works of the evil one, he does it precisely. He does it purposefully. He not only accomplishes what has been ordained by the Father, but he accomplishes it by the means that the Father has ordained. And we're going to see that in verses 6 through 8. Look at verse 6 through 8 as we see the purpose of the light, the purpose of the light. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, you may be saying, wait a second. Why is it John, John 
Not John the Baptist. It's going to be confusing for a second. Why is John the Apostle all of a sudden switching from the eternal Son of God, the eternal Word of God, the eternal light, to John the Baptist? Well, let's, let's dig in for a second and think about it. Let's look at the background of John the Baptist. In Luke, once again, we're always going to go back there because he gives the fullest explanation of the birth of Christ. In the book of Luke, we find out that G- John is Jesus' cousin. And John is the one that Malachi says is going to be the forerunner of Christ. It's going to point to Christ. And so when Mary, who's pregnant with Jesus, goes to Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John, it says that John leaps in the womb. What a beautiful picture. Just, uh, just for a second, let's just show that at least that text, you can go there if you'd like, Luke chapter 1, shows that there is life from in the womb. He's leaping for joy. Do you see that? He's leaping for joy because he's in the presence of God. And it also shows that God can call whenever he feels like it. The baby, the infant who's inside the womb can come to God. That's what John, John did. Malachi said that he would come, he would pave the way. And so Luke 7, 28 tells us this. He says, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So what's that talking about? Basically, Jesus is saying, John is the best the world has to offer. John the Baptist was was as good as, as humanity gets. And yet, he wasn't good enough to get to heaven. John said, I'm not the light. He's about to tell us this. He said, I'm not the light. Don't look to me. There's another one coming who's on sandals I'm not fit to untie. He says, and when he sees Jesus, what does he say? He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He points to Jesus. Now, as good as John was, he's completely unworthy. Why? Because he's sinful and flawed. Romans 3 says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. No, not one. And I think Paul really wants us to figure something out there. That we are not worthy in and of ourselves. John, the best the world had to offer, according to Jesus, was not worthy. If he's not worthy, then I'm not worthy. If I'm not worthy, none of us are worthy. Well, y'all are probably more worthy than me. But either way, none of us are worthy outside of Christ. Like John, we are sent to this world by God. We are sent because we have been chosen by the Holy Spirit to bear witness about this light. We are not chosen because we're the best. Never let the, your flaws or your insecurities stop you from witnessing the people. About God. God uses you not because of who you are, but rather in spite of who you are. He uses you because of your flaws so that he can show the world of how amazing he is for saving a wretch like you. Amazing grace, how sweet that sound. That saved what? A wretch like me. We, have to, we can never get so prideful that we think that we are good enough or we are, have merited enough. No, we have to do the same thing that John the Baptist did, does. We point to Jesus. We don't go and tell the world, look how great I am. Look, I come to church five times a week and I pray a thousand, thousand minutes a, a, a week. I, look how good I am. No, we come and we tell them about the, the son, the, the son of God who came in the manger, who died on the cross for, for the sins that people would come to him and be saved. God cho- chooses to use people even though we are marred by sin. 
And he uses us to accomplish his purpose. Look at verse 7. He came, what? As a witness to bear witness about the light. That all might believe in him. Remember what he said. When, when Jesus, he sees Jesus, his cousin, he sees him coming and he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Some of his disciples come to John and they're worried about, about Jesus getting all of the attention. And John says what? He must increase that I must decrease. You see, we are sent as, a, as, as ministers of the gospel, and that's all of y'all, Christians, all Christians are ministers of the gospel in one way or another. We are sent as ministers of the gospel to, the, to point to Jesus. We must decrease that he must increase. We live, our entire life is focused upon Jesus, the one that came in the manger and that died on the cross for our sins. We carry on John's work. We point others to Jesus. That was John's whole ministry, and that's what we are called to do. We are, we are the means by which the light is spread and reflected to the world. Our job is not to point to us, our holiness, our righteousness, our goodness, or our works. Our job is to point to his holiness, his righteousness, his works, and his goodness. Because it's through him that people are saved. We are the means by which the light is spread and reflected to the world. We are just the vehicle that brings the news. We must stop using our sinfulness or inadequacies as an excuse not to share the gospel. But we must tell them that we, that what, we must tell them what we know. We must let the world know about God and His work. A final time, John restates John, John the Baptist's purpose. Verse 8, he was not the light. Just in case you didn't figure it out already with verse 6 and 7, John makes it very clear. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Never forget your role. You know, it's really easy as, as you get closer to God, as you never become sinless, but prayerfully you do sin less, right? And as we sin less... As we don't get caught up in the same sins that we did for so long, it's really easy to forget of why and how it is that we are, we are having victory over our sins. Our victory is only through the person work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit working within us. The greatest the world had to offer wasn't enough. That means you and I are not enough. John was flawed and John was sinful. John never gave God the full glory he deserved. John, was the full, the, John, the best the world had to offer, was destined for hell apart from the saving work of Jesus Christ. And he knew that. That's why he, he does not come boasting arrogantly about his piousness or about his righteousness. But he comes to point forward to the only one who could save him. The only one who can save you. The God-man, Jesus Christ. Now, let me just say, if we're thinking that that means our life is going to be easy, look to John. John, the Baptist, the best the world had to offer, ended up in prison and being beheaded. And he even had some doubts before he, he came. He sent his disciples and he said to Jesus, are you the one? And he, what did Jesus say? Tell, tell John what you see. The blind receive their sight. The deaf hear. The lame walk. And the dead are raised. You see, it, it, no matter how good you think you are, how moral you think you are, there's lots of moral people in hell. There's lots of moral people that die apart from Christ. This is why we point to Jesus. 
because he is the true light, the source of the light that we reflect. As we look to our final point, the product of the light. Look at verse 9. The product of the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now, this is a parenthetical statement. And in the, in, the, in the original language, at least according to John MacArthur, I'm not that good with Greek, but at least according to John MacArthur, the original language, it's much clearer and a better translation to say it this way. The true light coming into the world. So you take the beginning and the end of that phrase and put it together. And then you do the, the parenthetical, gives light to every man. Why is it important to do that way? Do it that way. Because John is pointing forward to the incarnation of Christ with this sentence. He's saying the true light. Who's the true light? Well, the Old Testament, God was the light. God, God the Father is the light. And now Jesus is being equated with God. And it says the word is with God and the word was God. And so the true light is coming into the world. Fully God. Remember, that's John's whole purpose throughout the entire book. John's purpose is to show that Jesus is God. He is the true light. And then what does the next say? Coming into the world. So he's truly God. He's truly man. Fully God, fully man. You see, it's because Jesus was truly God, the delight, and he was truly man, came into this world, that he was able to save us. It takes a man to stand the place for a man. That's why the, we talked about this morning. That's why the blood of bulls and goats never took away sins. Barring a phrase from Hebrew there. Hebrews there. But that's why the lamb never made Israel sinless. Why? Because it wasn't, he was, it wasn't a man that was being sacrificed. It was unblemished, pointing forward to Christ. But it was never, it was, he was not a man that could not stand in their place. He was a sinless man, so he could stand the place for you. He didn't deserve punishment. He took it for you. But he was also truly God. He was truly God, so he could not just stand the place for Doug, not just in the place for Garney or Dolores. He stands in the place for all. He's coming into the world that all the world might see this light. We, we sing joy to the world. The, the Lord has come. We, we, the world is going to praise that God, he is here one day. Now, we would either be forced when, they are, when they're about to be sent into hell or it's going to be because they've been covered by the blood of the Lamb. We are the vehicles. Are we doing our job? We are saved for a purpose. Are you doing your job? We need to make sure that we're not standing in the way of the light, but we must decrease that he must increase. But it's not only in salvation that we look to his coming. It, 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 it's into the world. When, when, when else do, we, do you hear people singing the gospel? Or when else do you hear over the radio, Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. You never hear that outside of, well, maybe October now. They pushed it back far, further and further. But you never hear that from January to October. And then all of a sudden you go into Walmart and hear, Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. We must use this time to point to Jesus because they're already giving us a means to do it. Or hear this, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. That has ransomed captive Israel. That God has saved his people. That's what that means. 
The purpose of Christ's coming is so that God would be known. He was, all, he was already known by common grace. We can look at the stars and see that there's God, but there was not enough evidence there, not enough um, revelation there for someone to be saved. Jesus had to come to point people to him. Jesus had to come and be the exact imprint of his nature, Hebrews says. He had to be the, the picture of the invisible God, according to Colossians. It, 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 I, it realizes the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not come to a single nation to reveal himself as he did in the Old Testament when he turned to Abraham. And the, the Abraham's purpose was to get to Jesus so that all the world would come. Abraham was called out and said, I'm going to make your father of many nations. Where's the gospel now? Many nations. Right? There's very few places on, this, on the world that does not, has not heard the name of Jesus Christ. We must get involved in the spread of the gospel because that is why we have been saved. This is the reason that Jesus came. This is the reason we celebrate, celebrate Christmas. So that God would be made known through Jesus. And Romans 10 says that we are the way that Jesus is made known to the world. Are you living your purpose? That's my question for today. Are you living your purpose? Are you sharing who God is with people that don't know him? That's why we're here. If you're not, real simple, start. It's it's that simple. Go tell someone. Pick someone that you're going to pray for. Pray for that person for, for two days, for a week. I don't care how long. Pray for them consistently and then go tell them about the wonderful Jesus that you know. If, if, if you're doing it, do it more. We're about to move into our time of response time. I told you last week what we're doing with the Lottie Moon offering. We're going to come forward as families. We're going to have the families. And if you want me to come over and pray with you, that's fine. We're going to have the families be praying for the, the missionaries that are going to receive this money so that they would be able to spread the gospel where we never will be able to. We're going to pray for the people that are going to hear the gospel. We're going to pray for the, the, the tribes in Africa and the tribes in New Guinea that have never had the opportunity to hear what you just heard. People that don't have the word of God at ready. So in this time of response, I encourage you with your family, come up, pray for them. Give to the, give to the Lord his Christmas gift. Do you know this light? Are you reflecting the light you know? Are you making sure that your life is pointing to Jesus? Because this is the meaning of Christmas. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are. That you are a good God that stands in our place. That we would have life. That we would have hope. Father, I pray that you would go forth from this place. That you would help us go forth from this place with your word. And that you would challenge us to tell people about the wonderful work of Jesus. That we may decrease. That you may increase. Father, I pray for this offering that we're going to be giving to Lottie Moon. I pray that it would be used wisely. It would be used for your glory. And it would be used to show people the love of Christ. That many would be saved. It's in your precious son's name I pray. Amen.